Anyway, so we are going into a season, uh, a series called Unstuck. And um, what we wanted to uh, share with you, I guess, is, you know, we want to talk about how God has got good plans for you. Yeah? Do you know the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare or for good, not for evil, but to give you a future and a hope in him, that he is working all things together for your good. That's Romans 28.8, Corinthians 2.9. It says, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So he's good. He wants good things for us. He is working for our good. Um, but one thing that we all know in life is that sometimes we can um, we can help or hinder those plans of God in our life, right? And sometimes we find ourselves, maybe not meaning to, but working against the things that God is wanting to bring into your life. And at that point, you can get a bit stuck. I don't know if you're following with me here, if that makes any sense. You know... Um, once, when I was in Melbourne living uh, in a, an apartment, my three-year-old daughter and we were hanging out and I went out onto this little balcony and it was about this big and next thing the door closed behind me and somehow locked. And I'm like outside, three storeys up, locked out on the uh, balcony without a phone. And I was like stuck. I was thinking what am I going to do? I'm meant to pick the kids up from school in an hour. Um, you know, my babies are inside and I'm stuck like I couldn't move forward with my plans for the day I had no and I wasn't quite sure how I was going to get out of it you know and I actually I ended up coaching my daughter I was like okay put the key in yep no other way okay now turn it and after like quite a harrowing 10 minutes or so I managed to get her to unlock the door for me but you know that feeling of being stuck it's awful right and sometimes we can feel like that in life too. And it's not immediately obvious how to get unstuck. How do you get out of it? You know, what do you do? Like I'm out on the balcony thinking, do I start yelling out? Do I try to climb down? Like what is the answer here for getting unstuck? And so we wanted to spend three weeks just talking around three things that we think can either get you stuck in life or help you as you start to work on those things in your life or allow God to work on those things in your life, get you unstuck. And so we're going to be talking about, this week is about offence, next week we're talking about regret and the week after we're talking about the fear of man and how um, we, can, we can really really um, deal with those sorts of issues in our life. Um, so this week we're calling it the fence of offence, the fence of offence, because we can put up fences, and I'm going to explain more about that. You're going to think terribly of me by the time I finish, but um, with some of the stories I'm going to tell you, but I, I wanted to just say that offence, this whole issue, this is one of the hardest things ever, this issue, the pain and the hurt, that the stuff that comes into our life. Look, it's an impossible situation. And I just wanted to say that we don't, it is by the grace of God, it is by the power of God that we overcome all things that will cause us to be stuck in life. And the great news is that God's grace is much stronger. Like he that is in us is greater than he that is of the world. In other words, you know, whatever it is that we find ourselves in, any situations and limiting factors in our lives that God has 
much more strength in that thing. And so I just want to pray now. I want to pray over you and that God would be speaking to you, that he would be literally melting away things in your heart that are hindering you or stopping you um, from moving forward and growing in your life as we go. So Lord, we just thank you, Father, that you're a good God, that you're a loving God. We thank you, Jesus, that your mercies are new every single morning, that your love triumphs over judgment and that you have given us and promised us all grace, that would all grace would abound to us and that you will empower us to live the way that you intend us to live. We thank you, Lord, that you actually, that your, your grace helps us and sets us free, that when you went to the cross for us, you made a way for us to live free from the bonds of sin and death. And we thank you for that, Lord God. And so I just ask, Lord, that you would you would just come, Holy Spirit, and come into this moment. I pray that you would speak to people. I pray that as we, as we share tonight, that, that it just things would just drop off. Fences would just, you know, disappear. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So the fence of a fence. So to help demonstrate what I'm talking about, I'll tell you my bad story. So I recently changed jobs, but in my last job, I had a coffee shop that was literally two minutes from my work. And so I used to go to this coffee shop like every day and they knew my order and it was great. And then one day I went and they made me the wrong coffee and they wouldn't remake it. <laughs> and I was like, I got offended. <laughs> I was like, I just like put the coffee back and walked off. And then I, never, I didn't go back and it was awkward because I didn't respond very well and it was so awkward and I couldn't go back to this coffee shop and next thing I've got this like fence, like that's, that's I can't go there. So then I was like, <laughs> I'm so dumb but I can't go back to that coffee shop and I could have but this is where I was at in my headspace. So I was like, okay. So then I went to a new coffee shop and it was across the road so I had to walk like five minutes to get there. But I love this coffee shop, right? It's a good coffee shop. I think they might even make better coffee than the other coffee shop. Beck knows the coffee shop. It's a, it's a good coffee shop. No, you know my new one. My old one. <laughs> you don't know my old one. My old coffee shop. And then they start, they got the wrong lids. Oh, I didn't like the lids that they got. And so <laughs> I couldn't go there anymore either. <laughs> So I didn't like their lids. <laughs> their lids made the coffee spill and one day I was trying to get in the car and had all my stuff and this coffee's just spilling out and they're like, oh, we bought the wrong lids. And I'm like, yes, I know. Because <laughs> I can't keep the coffee in my cup. And so then I moved on from there <laughs> and then I went to the coffee shop that Beck goes to and it's a good coffee shop. It's definitely the best coffee shop. But now... I, instead of having like a two-minute coffee run, it's like 15 minutes to go up to that coffee shop and then back to my work. It's not a problem now. I don't work there anymore. But for that time, and so I just had this situation, I thought to myself, I was like running along. I didn't give it a lot of thought, but I thought to myself, what is wrong with me? I can't go to that shop. I'm not going to that shop now. And now I'm going up to this shop. And it was like I had, you know, all this sort of... Um, like a lack of freedom about where I was going to get my coffee from. And if my friends were going to this one, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not going to that coffee shop. Like, you know, I don't think they like me anymore because, you know, <laughs> they made me the wrong coffee and it was awkward. <laughs> so um, anyway, so I kind of ended up in this situation without realising it. And it just crept up on me. I didn't even kind of realise. And I'm like, I am ridiculous. I am going like down the road 15 minutes to get coffee because <laughs> I'm not happy with this one and I'm not happy with this one. <laughs> So I was kind of, you know, going all around and I just wanted to share that with you because um, it's kind of a humorous example really um, 
that, that of what we can actually do, though, in our friendships, in our community, with our churches. And, and it's one thing to shop around in a business, you know. We all do that a bit. It's the kind of the game of it. But, but when we start to translate that into those fences that I was putting up, we start to translate that into our relationships and our lives with people and church and community, um, it becomes um, quite um, limiting. You know what I'm saying? There's people that you can't talk to and places you can't go and churches you can't go to or topics of conversation you can't talk about. You might, next thing you find, your life's becoming quite limited and that's why we've kind of given it the play on words. It's the fence of offence because we find ourselves with fences in our lives of our own making in many ways and um, often they just creep up on us and next thing you're like, oh, hang on. You know, like there's a lack of freedom there in that space. And so I wanted to just, um, you know, share around that because, you know, I think these sorts of fences, like it's a bit of fun to chat about the coffee shop, but when, when they take root in our lives... Ultimately, the reality is it's sin. And not only does it separate us from our friends and our family, our community and others, it also has a separating effect on us between and our relationship with God. And, you know, we begin to find that, oh, my, I can't connect with God like I used to. What's going on? I can't hear from God. I'm not sure where he wants me to go. I don't know, you know. And you can find yourself in like a stuck situation in your spiritual life because of this. You don't always link it, but it does impact and it goes across. Um, you know, so we don't, if we don't want to get locked in like this sort of fence of our own making, um, and the Bible's got a lot to say about it. Let me just zoom in on this. Um, the Bible actually says, so the, the, the word offence in the Bible is translated, it's got connotations with it that we don't catch in the English language, but it actually talks about it like it's a snare and a trap or even like a bait. So it's like an enticing thing to um, feel offended or to become offended or, or whatever. It's an enticing thing, but the Bible says it's a trap and part of the reason for this is that it actually, the way that it describes in the Bible, it's used metaphorically a lot, and it describes um, that which hinders right conduct and right thought. So anything that gets in there and starts to mess with your ability to think in a godly way or to behave in a godly way, over time, that will really mess with your life. And so I want to have a little um, exploration about what the Bible says about this. Um, you know, there's a verse that says, um, oh, I think I might have missed it in my, it says something like, a brother offended is harder to win than a fortified city. <laughs> it's up there. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate with locked bars. And so you start to see these analogy of barriers and limitations and, and this sort of thing going on. And so, you know, I don't need to tell you that the um, ability to become offended is like everywhere all the time every day constantly around right and so we don't want this situation in our lives though where we're separated from our friends where we're like harder to win back than a fortified city that's intense you know that's the level of um you know kind of depth that this goes and so let's have a look and see what it can look like to melt away these unwanted fences in our lives yeah I don't know. How can we know if we have these invisible, unwanted fences? Look, I'm going to just go with a guess. Probably we all have something. I definitely do. I was actually quite um, 
challenged as I went through this and studied this out this week because, you know, God is always just purifying our hearts and showing us more and more about how we can be free. But to be uh, offended broadly, it means to be resentful or annoyed, typically as a result of a perceived insult. A grudge is a persistent feeling of ill will or resentment. And I think the word offended is kind of like, it's like carries a lot of connotations in the church world. So I like the idea of being annoyed. I'm just being annoyed. I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot more sense to me. Being annoyed. <laughs> Persistently annoyed. <laughs> revenge, which often goes with it. It sounds very like sort of um, sinister revenge, but it just means to inflict hurt or harm on someone for an injury or wrong done to you. So it sounds very dramatic, but um, I don't know. Have you ever been in the, in the traffic and you've changed lanes and the person that you change lanes in front of apparently doesn't like to share the road and then they tail you for the next 10 minutes, that's, that's like, we don't think of that as revenge, but essentially they're like harassing you because they didn't want what you did just there and they want you to know. We all do that kind of thing. That's revenge. That is that. It's in the spirit of like getting back or upsetting someone or trying to hurt someone, you know, whether you subtly exclude someone or you gossip or all these sorts of things that we all get caught up in. You know, the Bible, this is what that is. So, you know, if we're in a situation where we're feeling annoyed or we're, you know, I guess doing things that we wouldn't ordinarily allow, like justifying things, whether you're excluding someone or whatever it might be that you wouldn't ordinarily allow, maybe you've got some sort of fence popping up in your life, or if you're just, you're feeling stuck, you're unable to move on from a situation or something that's happened, you've probably got a fence that's popped up, a fence of a fence, and so... There's three points from the Bible that can really help us um, with how to deal with um, this situation. And so the first one is, drum roll, avoid offending others. <laughs> the Bible says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Now, I can tell you I'm quite a difficult person sometimes and my husband is very patient. He's wonderful. You all know Chafin. You might not think he's patient, but he's patient with me. <laughs> he's probably watching, sorry. <laughs> he's very patient with me. Um, he says, you know, because, you know, for example, you wake up in the morning and I'm, I have difficulty talking in the morning half the time so I can, you know, feel that morning. Who's a morning person here? Yes, you know, you just can't talk and so then you seem grumpy and you probably are. And, you know, Shafin is so patient with me. But I'm just like, oh, <laughs> I should be making a priority of being kind and treating him well, you know, not giving in to my morning grumpiness. So, you know, it says fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. So you don't take it out on people. It is better um, not to eat meat or drink or do anything else that might cause another believer to stumble. That's really big, right? We're caring about other people. We're loving other people. Um, says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Incredible messages about love. Even this one I think is so interesting. So don't bother correcting mockers. They will only hate you, but correct the wise. They will love you. There's even advice for us about who to give advice to because I don't think avoiding offending others means never have honest conversations. That can't be right. That's very much a part of Christian life and community is to have those honest conversations. But it's working out a little bit who with. 
you know, all of that kind of thing. There's just so much. These are so many principles. And it's like the Holy Spirit's like, here's a whole lot of principles. And have discretion of how you use them and how you apply them in what situations. But the overall theme that we can see here is that we're to make a priority of, of loving people, of being kind and gentle and honouring and respecting people. God blesses those who work for peace. They will be called children of God. That is literally our identity, those who work for peace. It's the golden standard to treat others as you would like to be treated, to love others as you love yourself. You know, this is the ultimate. And, you know, and so this is the priority. If we set that priority in our lives to treat people well, to be kind, to be gentle, to be respectful, to honour others, to when you are bringing, you know, honest conversations, bringing them with humility, listening to one another, all of those sorts of things, we can actually see that there's a unity that comes upon a community as we do that. You know, the Bible says that even our love for one another will actually cause unbelievers to know that God is real. That's how supernatural, that persistent, ongoing love that we have for one another. And it will allow us to build this healthy um, kind of community that is strong and resilient against the fences of offence, right? However, there's another tip, and we know we need it because um, we're humans and we all live in a state of imperfection, as you've already heard quite a few of mine tonight. And, um, you know, we have, and it's not just sin, like it's just some things you're really good at, like some people are really great at giving honest feedback and other people are really bad at it and some people are really great at, you know, doing this or doing that and others are bad at it. Like we have our strengths and our weaknesses, we're never going to be able to do everything perfectly. Even in this life, in a fallen world, you know, there's so many lose-lose scenarios as well, isn't there? Like you just can't actually get out of a situation without hurting or upsetting somebody, right? Like it's just, you just have those situations in life. And so luckily the Bible doesn't just stop at avoid offending people. He says the second one, so the second one is sort out our offences between each other in a healthy way. And so we've got some scriptures around that will help us and guide us in that. So Matthew 18, 15 to 17. If another believer sins against you, go privately... And point out the offence. If the other person listens and confesses it to you, you have won that person back. Notice that the goal is to win the friendship, not to point out the offence, right? But if you're unsuccessful, take two others. And you can go back over that scripture, but it just talks about when you try, when you do have something big and you really do need to deal with it, how you do that in a way that's respectful and private and prioritising the relationship you don't want to win an argument but lose the person, right? Yeah. Matthew 5.23, so if you're preventing a, presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there and go and be reconciled to that person. Incredible. Like God is like, yeah, you know, worship me. But it's as important to God that you love your, your um, brother or sister in Christ as it is that you worship him. It's incredible, isn't it? He really cares, like God cares about this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. So it sounds like we're meant to do a whole lot of listening. Um, Colossians 3.13, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. 
Colossians 3.14, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. So we see like a range of scriptures here. And what I hear when I read all of those together, get this picture of listen, 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 right? We're all listening, even though we might be talking about difficult issues. We're all listening. We listen to one another. We make allowances for each other's faults and weaknesses because we have so many of them in our own lives. We keep it private unless authorised by the church to make it public. If you go through that scripture, you'll see that part. Um, Agree to disagree. The focus isn't on winning. The focus is on relationship. Say sorry. Forgive genuinely and then commit to keep forgiving to remain in a place of forgiveness. You know, it's not very well to forgive and the next day that annoyance comes up again and you forgive again, you know, committed to forgiving and staying free. C.S. Lewis, um, I'm sure most of you will have heard of C.S. Lewis. If not, Google him. <laughs> he, um, he, he actually just, it's quite a long quote and I, I would... I'll have it up on the screen so you can have a little look at it. But he reflected that to be a Christian is to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Yeah. He said, this is hard. He said, this is hard. It is perhaps not so hard to forgive a single great injury, like a one-off, but to forgive the incessant provocations of daily life. Like, keep on forgiving the bossy mother-in-law, the bullying husband, the nagging wife, the selfish daughter, the deceitful son. How can we do it? And this is what he says, it's gold. He says, only I think by remembering where we stand, by meaning our words, when we say in our prayers, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And this is a prayer that Jesus taught us to pray daily. So we're in this constant state of forgiving, of making note of it and forgiving. We are offered forgiveness by God on no other terms. To refuse it is to refuse God's mercy for ourselves. There is no hint of exceptions. God means what he says. In comparison to sins like adultery, murder, theft, unforgiveness might seem relatively minor, but Christ does not see it this way. Of all the serious sins he could have possibly mentioned in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus focused only on forgiveness of the offender. He also knew that when we do so, we erect barrier of sin between us and God, which locks out our own forgiveness, as well as our prayers and fellowship with him. And leads to backsliding. Unforgiveness is a spiritual abscess that poisons the soul. The only remedy for which is forgiveness, no matter how difficult. And so I thought it was really interesting because I think sometimes great sins can be done and working through the progress of forgiveness is so, so hard. But often for a lot of us, it is more the day-to-day annoyances, the things that come in and ruin relationships because over time, you know, those things um, build up. And we're certainly not talking about or recommending that you stay in any kind of relationship that is abusive or violent. That's not what this is about. We're talking about issues, you know, a lot lot more normal, like day-to-day type issues. But, um, you know, this is about the heart and about forgiving so that we can be free. C.S. Lewis, he really, you know, there's more to that quote. I'll talk about it later. But he really, it's incredible the way he articulates it. So I think, you know, what I really loved about what he said there is just choosing it each day. You know, like if you have a garden, 
And if you like tend it every day, you weed it every day. The weeds are small, not so hard to pull out, isn't it? When you think about your marriage or your friendships or various other things in your life, when you deal with issues that pop up in your heart daily, they're kind of small enough. Usually you can sort it through. It's one thing to sort through something with someone that happened one time, but if you're like, for the last 10 years you've been doing this and now I hate you, you know, it's become this deep thing. And so when we tend to it daily, and I think that's what I love about this, it's just a, it's a real key for us. Daily, daily. So my third and most profound key in the Bible is do not get offended. (laughs) Easy, right? (laughs) Do not get offended. So I've got some scriptures for this one too. Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes 7, 21 to 22. It says, Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant or your friend cursing you. Your heart knows how many times you've done the same to others. Wow. (laughs) No mincing of words there. Proverbs 19.11. Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. James 1.19. You must be all quick to listen. See, this is the second time we got this one. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry, slow. Proverbs 12, 16, a fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. I don't know. This is the Bible. (laughs) Proverbs 12, 16, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. There it is, that listening thing again. My goodness. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5, love is not easily provoked or offended. There's just so many scriptures on this in the Bible, but I've just selected a few to just give us that picture, you know, of what it is. And there's a Bible, Jesus is like, the Bible's just suggesting that we don't get offended. Yeah. You know, um, being offended is quite in fashion at the moment, have you noticed? <laughs> it's quite in fashion. Um, it's becoming more and more a right to be offended, and I don't know if you've noticed, but certainly in in the work world, it's getting incre- the rules about what you can and can't say and do and go and look and whatever else is getting more and more and more complicated. The onus of responsibility in our modern culture is on others to not offend anybody. Now I'm fully supportive that people should be able to live a life without being in any way harassed, abused or anything. So please hear me. But, um, and I don't know if businesses just take it out of like, context of what happens, but um, basically I want to encourage you that whilst that is culture and modern culture's, um, I guess, solution for these things, the Bible says that we can actually carry the responsibility of not being offended. Incredibly empowering Not just because we can do that by ourselves, because the Spirit of God helps us. That as children of God, we can choose to not be offended. It's an incredible difference. It's a really interesting difference, I think, in modern culture at the moment. Um, You know, we can't really control what people do or say, but we can still live in freedom. So even if people are insulting you or treating you in a way that is unjust and unfair, and they should not do that, but you don't have to be offended. 
you can live in freedom by the grace of God as we choose to live in line with this principle. God's ways are higher than our ways. He knows. He knows. Um, And so C.S. Lewis has also made a really important observation here that can help us, I think. So he says, As regards to my own sin, it is a safe bet, though not a certainty, that the excuses are not really so good as I think. In other words, my excuse for what I do is probably not so great. I think it's great, but really it's probably not. As regards to other people's sin against me, it is a safe bet, though not a certainty, that their excuses are better than I think. Catch that? (laughs) One must therefore begin by attending to everything which may show that the other person was not so much to blame as we thought. I'm just going to pause there. Because how often do we actually build a case against people rather than building a case for them? I know, it's intense. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, He says, if we do this, we may show that the other person was not so much to blame as we thought, but even if he is absolutely fully to blame, we still have to forgive them. And even if 99% of his guilt can be explained away by really good excuses, the problem of forgiveness still begins with the 1% of guilt left over. To excuse what you can really produce, good excuses is not Christian charity, is only fairness. So what he's saying there is if someone's probably got a really, like mostly got a really good excuse for how they behave, perhaps they didn't intend to hurt you, they didn't intend to, you know, make life difficult for you, there was like a lot of reasons why they did that thing or made that decision, then really he's saying that's not really even necessarily true forgiveness. It's just fair. Isn't that interesting? I think that's really interesting. So what I pull out of this, though, is that, and and C.S. Lewis, everything he writes, he was a great biblical scholar and he's really summarised things so well here, but the idea that we actually build a case for others, if in doubt, and you feel annoyed or upset or, oh my goodness, did they, dot, 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 build a case for them, go to them, chat about it, build a case for them and look to see um, how perhaps instead of it being a full sin against you, maybe it's actually just a 1% mistake there. If we all did that for one another, what a great kind of community would that be? You know... This stuff is all seems very reasonable, but it's quite hard a lot of the time. And I read, I was reading quite a lot around all of this, and a lot of people agree that choosing forgiveness or choosing offence is like a choice, which I thought was interesting because sometimes you can find yourself feeling hurt, and then you, you can feel like becoming offended is just a natural next step. But a lot of people agree that it, it's something that we are empowered to choose one way or another. And I like to think of things almost like a skill that you build, like skills for life. So, like, with my children, like, they'd be, like, howling really loudly about something. And especially if they're really crying, like, really loud, you know, and it comes from deep down, I'm like, are you okay? And then I'm like, is your body hurt or is your heart hurt? My heart's hurt! (laughs) You know, it's a lot more dramatic than if their body's hurt. And, you know... um, I think that one of the great things about kids is they're just so authentic and they tell you, really tell you, you know, when I say to them, 
oh, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Do you think you can forgive, you know, whoever? And they will tell you. If they think they can't, they'll be like, no. <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> you know, well, maybe that person didn't mean to hurt you. Usually they say, I don't think they meant to hurt you. I think they were just running and being a bit crazy and they knocked you as they went. Oh, okay. So do you think you can forgive them? And then they're like, I forgive them, you know, and then they're like, <sighs> and then they feel better. And, you know, what I've noticed with my kids is as we continue, like, the day-to-day, you know, practising of forgiving one another, they're kind of just getting heaps better at it. And they, and now they're getting older, there's, like, more serious things to forgive. It used to just be, like, tripping over and knocking each other, punching each other, whatever, but now they can be seriously mean to one another. I'm like, ooh, did my child just do that to the other one? Like... And they're learning, they're learning to, to treat each other well, but they're learning to also forgive. And so we've got both. We've got treat each other well, make a priority of loving one another. Do not do that to your sibling. But then on the other hand, to the other sibling, you must forgive, let it go, you know. And, and they're practising, and I hope that as they mature and they go through life, they will be adults that are well-equipped to treat people well, to talk through issues and to forgive. And even though that I'm talking about children, I do think that we can start to engender and practice the same thing in our own lives. You know, the Bible actually says that we should come to Jesus like children. And so the example of a child isn't below us. Jesus said, come to me, be like little children. How gorgeous was it when those children walked into the building earlier? I just felt like God was like, my presence is here. See, children are just walking up to the stage. And they came in from the park. They wanted to hear the music and came in. And, you know, but, but the God embraced, the kids were around and that spirit that a child has, that simplicity before God, that authenticity, that is um, how we're to live before God. You know, in the Bible, there was a woman who made the choice not to be offended. And this choice had a dramatic impact on her family. She was, um, Jesus encountered this woman. She was from Syria and she fell flat at his feet and begged for him to heal her demon-possessed daughter. But Jesus' time had not yet come to minister outside of the Jewish family. So that time would come after the resurrection. So Jesus said to her, it's bad. Jesus told her, first I should feed the children my own family, the Jews. It isn't right for me to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. That's rough, right? So this woman could have understandably become quite offended by Jesus and storm out of the building. But instead, she, she chose not to become offended. And she said, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. Wow, that's so, that's amazing that she said that. And Jesus was so amazed by her humility, so drawn to it, that he stepped outside, I guess, of the confines of his ministry in that season, and he responded with compassion, and he said to her, now go home, for the demon has left your daughter. And she arrived at home, and she found a little girl lying quietly in bed, and the demon was gone. And so instead of becoming offended with Jesus, and, you know, that was pretty harsh language, probably had every right to feel annoyed and feel like that was an unjust, unfair thing to say, but she didn't, she didn't take that on. She chose not to, and as a result, instead of building a fence between her and God and her and Jesus, she put aside, made a different choice that actually brought healing and answer into her family totally transformed that family. 
And, you know, so for us, when we think about our own lives, we think about the fences that we can put up in our lives or that can appear in our lives that we don't want but can appear in our lives. Um, you know, God, there's these, these uh, principles in the Bible help us to tear them down or melt them away. It will help us not to have them erecting in our lives. Um, we can apply these principles. We can be kind and avoid offending people so we can create a community where there's less of that. We can talk things through with each other in a kind, respectful way. We can overlook it too. Probably the most powerful and profound um, uh, tip that there is. You know, there's a scripture that says, whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous, uh, as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. That comes from Matthew 10, 41. You know, and God wants to minister and bring things into your life. And he primarily does this through relationships. He moves through people that he has positioned in our lives. Everyone carries, I like to think that everyone carries a reward. Everyone can bring something of God into your life. And God wants to use them to do that. And when you honour that person, then you can access those rewards, those things that God wants to bring into your life through community, through leadership, through friendships, through your work. But when we become offended, when we build fences between us and those people that God wants to work through, we can find ourselves limited. We can find it hard to hear from God. We might feel that we're not blessed. We might not have enough provision. We might feel um, tired on the inside. But letting some fences come down may just open your world up. And there may be answers and provision and reward and blessing that can come into your life through that. And you know, God wants to bring, he wants to bring blessing into your life. He wants to bring, you know, the the picture of God in your life is these wide open spaces, the opportunities that God can bring to you through people, the reward, the blessing, the, the purposes that he has and plans that he has for you. If you're building up fences and there's no-go zones, how can, you, how can you find your way? You know, I just believe that the Spirit of God is here tonight to help you melt down those fences, or God's Spirit will literally melt down those fences. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, he literally was able to do the greatest miracle of all time and and make a way for us from sin that separates us from God. And that work was final. And now we're on earth kind of working it out in an imperfect way, but that was final. We can be free. We can be free from all that separates us from God. And when the Holy Spirit comes and just helps you, when you confess like, God, I'm sorry, I've got this and I want to walk your way. It's amazing how those things just drop off us. So let's stand and I want to pray for you around this. Lord, I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would start to just reveal to people the fences that might be there in their lives that you want to bring down tonight, God. 
We thank you, Lord, that your ways are higher than our ways. We thank you, Lord, that as we submit and surrender ourselves to you, then you move powerfully in our lives. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord. I pray, Father, that you will begin, Holy Spirit, to bring freedom into people's lives here tonight. Fences of offence in each and one of our lives here tonight would start to come down, would come down in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray, Father, I pray, Lord God, for those um, things that are being revealed to people right now. Holy Spirit, we submit those to you. We surrender them to you, Lord. We repent of, of choosing offence over love. We repent of choosing to win an argument over winning the relationship, Lord God. We repent of these things, Holy Spirit. We ask you come and melt that away. We ask that you would empower us to love. You would empower us to forgive. Lord, I pray over families here tonight where there's fences that have sprung up and are separating families. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would do a supernatural work and start to melt those down, Lord God. We know, Lord, you can turn the heart of even a king, Lord Jesus. And so we pray that you would bring supernatural solutions and answers into the lives of families here tonight. Just now, if that's you, just start to bring that before God, that family situation where those fences are where there's a fence separating you and your your most close family or your family. Lord God, we pray for those. We pray for reconciliation. We pray for restoration, Lord God. We pray for the supernatural miracle of peace. Lord, we commit to, to preferring the relationship and the person over being right. Lord God, I pray, Father, for wisdom because all of these things aren't straightforward. We can't just trust all the time. So, Lord, I pray for wisdom, Father. I pray for protection upon your people here as they navigate these situations, Lord God. Lord, I bring workplaces before you here tonight. For those that have got fences that have sprung up in their workplaces, where they go every day and they've got these things that are uncomfortable and awkward and challenging and limiting them, Lord, I pray for a supernatural solution in those spaces. Lord, where there's bosses or colleagues that have, uh, are causing trouble, Lord, we pray that you would miraculously break that situation and that that would be no longer that that person can work in that place in peace. If that's you tonight, bring that situation before God. That thing between you and your boss or you and your colleague that impacts your day-to-day. Lord God, we pray that those fences would come down and that supernaturally there would be peace. for relationships and marriages here. Lord God, we bind up these fences of offence and we cast them out in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that every person that is married here or in a relationship, Lord, that they would have the empowering ability to let go 
of the offences, the annoyance, the things that have come up in their heart, we declare that there is no thing too hard, too deep, but that by a miracle you can change that situation, Lord God. We declare peace, supernatural peace, supernatural breakthrough in every marriage here in Jesus' Name. Lord, right now let Your love just melt away that pain. Heal that pain, Lord God. Empower Your people to love again, to trust again, to be vulnerable again with one another in Jesus' Name. Bring that thing to God. If that's you here tonight, bring it to God. He's here to heal you. Awesome. Yeah, Lord, we're just, we're just going to go into a time of worship. You know, this song, Fresh Wind. Lord, we just ask that your fresh wind of the Holy Spirit would blow through our hearts, that you would bring a refreshing, a peace, a lightness. Those fences would melt away in Jesus' name. <laughs> 